From the living room to the boardroom, we believe relationship matters. I'm your host, Katie Churchman, and you're listening to the Relationship Matters podcast. Over the past few months, I've had the pleasure of collaborating with Marita and Faith, co-founders of CRR Global, an ICF-accredited coach training school, which focuses on relationship systems intelligence. Our conversations have been so rich, I felt it was my duty to share these snippets of wisdom with the world. So here we are with episode one of the Relationship Matters podcast. And in this episode, I'm talking with Faith Fuller about right relationship. What does it mean to be in right relationship? And how can we become more conscious and intentional in relationships, particularly during challenging and uncertain times? So here's Faith to help you explore what right relationship might mean for you. Well, Faith, it's lovely to have you. How are you doing? I'm doing well, um, given that we're smack in the middle of uh, the coronavirus at this time. Uh, my days are up, my days are down, they're all over the map, pretty much like everybody else I know. So I notice I have a relationship with not only everybody around me, but also with the virus itself in terms of its impact on me. So, but basically I'm healthy and well. That's great. And it's a really interesting time then, isn't it? To talk about what right relationship means, because surely that changes depending on the circumstances we find ourselves in. Absolutely. And I think it's particularly relevant for all of us right now, because almost everybody I know is in intense relationship issues as we stay at home uh, for the coronavirus, but it doesn't matter for those of you who may listen to this uh, (laughs) post-pandemic. Relationship is still probably the central organizing principle in our lives in lots of ways. And particularly now, it's most intense when we're cooped up with one another, but it's always the main focal point of our relationship Yeah, I think about John Gottman's 69% of problems being perpetual, and now they're under a magnifying glass, so it's kind of terrifying to think we'll be in two months' time. (laughs) You know, it's so funny that you say that because, uh, you know, I I was, uh, I think I mentioned to you earlier, I've had some of the tenderest times with the people that I love recently, as I think about the possibility that they could potentially die. Uh, For example, my 82-year-old brother Um, So that brings out enormous connection and tenderness one day. And then uh, the same thing with my partners or whatever. But the other day, you know, being cooped up with one another where that 69% is in your face, uh, irritating you uh, can really lead to a blowout. And so both are happening. Everything is amped up. Yeah. So When we think about right relationship, how can we be more conscious and intentional about right relationship right now with everything going on? That is a great question. And I want to actually invite my audience uh, to think about this with me. And the reason is, is because in all these years of working on relationship issues, relationship systems, I don't think we have ever come up with what is exactly the definition of right relationship. What does that really mean? 
And I think I want to invite us all to consider that because what it means changes moment to moment to moment. So right relationship, I think, has to do with bringing the best of yourself to any situation, any relationship situation that you can. And that, of course, begs the question, well, what's my best self given the circumstance? (laughs) So sometimes it's bringing my best self to be generous and compassionate, uh, careful with the people that I love. We We all know that, although it's not easy to do it. But there are other times when I think right relationship means being raw and authentic and genuine, even if it's painful to somebody. So trying to discern is, I think, the secret word, discern. How do I discern what is needed here? Does this situation sort of need a kick in the butt? Does this situation need... Uh, surrender and uh, gentleness, what is needed in this particular situation right now? And then the other question is, is given what might be needed right now, am I even capable of doing that right now? (laughs) It's a complex matter, right, relationship. I have friends who are saying it's right relationship to just support my partner and let's not talk about painful things. And certainly, there's a time and a place for that. Um, At the end of the day, with my partner, I know that bringing all of the woes of the day isn't helpful because we're both tired and burned out. It's not a time for me to bring difficult, confrontative things at that moment. But then if I'm busy all the time and I never bring confrontative things, then how does the relationship grow and evolve? So... Right? Relationship. When I say that, yeah, what comes up for you, Katie, when I say that? Is that your experience too? The word messy is coming to mind. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why, but right relationship is probably sometimes what others think is wrong. You know, sometimes going to your bedroom and taking some time for yourself is maybe the right thing to do. Which is interesting because I was expecting one answer from you, one answer saying, this is what right relationship is. And of course, it's so complex. It is messy. That's the perfect word. And it is complex. What I love about what you said about just take some time off in my bedroom is that taking space to manage my own triggered state so I don't spread it all over the family? Or is that stonewalling because I don't want to deal with something? And isn't that always the question? And so it is messy and we need to have space to make mistakes within right relationship. But I think there's a couple of things that are always right relationship. And one is letting people know you love them or Mm -hmm. appreciate them in whatever love language that is for them. So I know with Marita, it's important for Marita to feel appreciated and valued. So words of affirmation are important for her in order to feel seen and understood. And I'm sort of more like a puppy. I need a lot of affection. (laughs) I don't always have to talk. Affection is my love language. But showing your partners and your kids and even your coworkers that you care about them 
preferably in the way that they're best able to receive it, is always right relationship. And even if you have something hard you need to say to any of those people, beginning with caring about them first, telling them what you love or appreciate, and then going into what needs to change <laughs> in your book, and following it up with appreciation and love, does a beautiful sandwich for delivering the medicine uh, between two pieces of positivity. So one thing that's always right relationship is expressing your caring and love. I love that. And I bet that's something that's slipped for a lot of people right now because there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of panic. And so those, those everyday gestures, that kiss on the cheek, those things might go amiss and, and maybe we need them more now than ever. Ah, I love what you're saying. We do need them more than ever now. And um, oh, just a little tip out there. People often think that uh, bosses somehow don't need appreciation because they have all the rank, right? But bosses need to hear they're doing a good job too, or that you that an employee appreciated something that they said or did in some way, because poor old bosses never get compliments because people think somehow that they don't need it. And you know what? Bosses really need it too. So don't leave your boss out there if there's something you are appreciating about them. That's so true. Because they do say it's lonely at the top and it's probably because there's no appreciation at the top. There isn't. <laughs> and people don't think you need it. So they're shocked to hear that bosses need to hear it too. So the other tip on right relationship is always say you're sorry. I had to learn this over the years because I think it wasn't easy for me to say I was sorry. And I always think I felt that saying I was sorry meant that somehow I was wrong and I didn't <laughs> want to be wrong. <laughs> but over the years, I've come to realize saying my I'm sorry for the pain of the experience of the other person doesn't mean I'm wrong. Now, am I often wrong? You bet. And that's a whole spiritual practice is learning to admit, you know what? I was wrong. And boy, if you add that in, that's a very powerful apology. But even if you are not sure if you were wrong or it's too far a step to take to admit that, you can always say, I'm so sorry for what's happening right now between us. I know it's painful for you and it's painful for me. So just acknowledging um, acknowledging painfulness and um, saying you're sorry for the impact. Love that. Always is right relationship. That's really nice because then you don't have to focus on the what or who's wrong. It's just, I'm sorry that this is happening. Yeah. I'm definitely going to use that. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's not like whose fault is it. It's not like, you know, um, trying to figure out who's to blame. And if it's not me, then it has to be them or vice versa. It's just, this sucks between mm. us right now and I know it sucks for you too and I just I'm having a moment of just compassion and even maybe sadness that it's hard right now yeah and um that's always right relationship yeah I think um acknowledging that things are hard and that things suck sometimes has been a real eye-opener for me um so a friend came to me the other day with some difficult news and I said I'm sorry that's really rubbish and she said, that's exactly what I needed to hear. A lot of other people tried to, to fix it, tried to help her. And she didn't need that. She just needed to be seen where she was, which was in a rubbish situation. Yes. Yeah. I remember I learned that a lot when I was working with people who were ill. 
life-threatening illnesses. And, you know, they don't need to hear your latest idea of what would help them at all. It's the last thing they need. But sometimes it really is helpful for them, for you to sit with them and go, you know, it just is such rubbish, as you said, that you have to go through this right now. And I'm just sitting here with you hating that you're having to go through this right now. And you can let your passion out about that and your grief being authentic uh, with them for how sorry. Again, it's a form of being sorry with them instead of for them. It's like, ah, it just really pisses me off that you have to go through this right now. And I know you'll learn from it and, you know, I'm all that stuff. But right now I'm just feeling with you here that it sucks that you have to go through this. And it's usually very well received. Mm. It's an empathetic moment. Yeah, absolutely. What else is right relationship? Got anything on your end that you think might be right relationship? Ooh, um, right relationship. Recognizing that what is right for you might be completely wrong to someone else. So trying not to look outside of yourself for the answers because what works for you and your partner, you and your friend, you and your mum might look so different to someone else. Ah, brilliant. Another way that I might say that is you have to figure out what's right for you, but you also need to respect that it might not be the same for somebody else. What's right for them might be totally different than what's right for you. And that's hard for me when someone needs something very different. I've often worked with couples where one person in the middle of a difficult time needs more time alone, like we talked about, and another one needs to talk about it, and and they don't match. In that moment, uh, that good relationship isn't matching well. And right relationship is honoring the fact that your partner may have a different way. And can you meet them uh, part of the way in their land, so to speak, and can they meet you part of the way in your own land so that there's some sense of reaching for one another? And I think that's really, really helpful. Our way is different from how somebody else's is going to be. And we need to respect theirs too. Yeah. So even within the relationship, respecting those differences. Yes. It's really interesting. Right now, a lot of people are putting attention on one person to be everything. Yes. Oh boy, and that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a pressure <laughs> on the one person. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure. You bet. Yeah. So, I mean, how can we take off that pressure? What would you suggest? Because it is a unique situation we find ourselves in. Yeah. Well, I think you kind of said it almost. It's important that we get our needs met by multiple sources. So now is more than almost any other time, also a time for friendship where you can talk on the phone. You know, most of us are spending half our days on Zoom or on the phone. And that's really, really important, not only to maintain that sense of the web of connections, but also to take some of the pressure off of the things you may need to ventilate or talk about um, or get a connection for. So all that isn't loaded on to your intimate partner, say. So I love that. Now is the time to reach out to the people that you care about and re connect with that web of connections so you're supported and supporting and it doesn't all go to your partner I think that's great mm. one other I, I that reminded me of this is a John Gottman right relationship tip 
when somebody asked John Gottman if he had to boil all his advice to couples down to one suggestion, which I think is a very challenging, you know, uh, request. Boil it down for me. I just want one thing that I can remember in working with my partner. He thought about it a minute, and then he said, honor your partner's dreams. And there's a lot in that statement. Even when you're locked up in the rooms together, now is the time to think about, do you even know what your partner's dreams are? And I say that because the longer we're in relationship, the less in touch we are with what their dreams are. And that's sad, but often true for long-term relationship. So what are your partner's dreams? Uh, maybe short-term, like what do we want to do today if we're home together? To long-term, when I find I'm in conversations with people about you know, fun things like, where's the first place you want to go after the... Uh, um, quarantine's over or given what we've learned through quarantine what's the fall going to really be about what's really important what are your dreams about what's true now about what's important in your life and or having those conversations with your partner and then honoring them the best you can is a powerful powerful relationship support so what do you think my question to you then is how do you encourage non-dreamers to dream? Because I'm someone who has lived a lot of their life in a lovely dreamland. I love to think about big ideas, but I live with someone who isn't such a dreamer. And I'd love to know how you encourage people into that space because I didn't realize it, it was something that a lot of people don't do naturally. Interesting. If he's not in dreaming about his future, where where is he? So honor where he is, first of all. What if he doesn't do dreaming? What does he do? <laughs> what, what what is his world like? <laughs> I think he's very present, which is something that I, I value a lot. Um, but I also think the language of dreaming scares people. And so I've sometimes used goals. Possibilities, goals, uh Things you want to have happen. You can use action language plenty. Yeah. Uh, so use action language with, with action people. And you can use dreamy language with dreamy people. So consensus reality-based people, ask them about that. You know, what's, what are their actions? And essence people, you don't have to ask them anything. They just float. <laughs> in it. <laughs> But know the nature of the person opposite you and use their language. Meet them where they are with that, I think, because I'll bet he does have goals, yeah? Yeah, I think it's that dreaming language that scares a lot of people. It sometimes feels a bit woo-woo. Yeah. So, what? yeah, let's keep, let's riff on that some more. So, possibilities, goals. What else? What's some other <laughs> language? Plan. Values, I guess. Values, Values live in the future. Yeah. Values is very dreamy and that's not scary. No. Um, wants, desires. Desires. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, passions, um, pursuits. Yeah. Also fears. Yeah, the, the flip side. Happen? 
Because the fears also open the door to wants. Uh, they're the opposite ends of the coin, aren't they? What, I, what I'm afraid of is the opposite end of what I want. And so they're, they're often um, reciprocal that way. That's great. And um, what do I want? What's important? Mm. Pick what level of reality they want to come in on on that one. This is a great conversation. How do we meet people where they are if they don't consider themselves a dreamer, which is just a term? Yeah. And I guess in terms of the dreaming piece, how do you make sure both of your dreams are valued? Because if you're a really selfless person, you might put all the attention on the other's dreams and forget about your own. Or if you have a big family, for example, how do we navigate that? Great question. And one of the big questions, I think, of successful relationship is uh, whose dreams are getting honored? And... I think that's a constant journey. First of all, I need to, when I look at my partner's dreams, are they threatening for me? And I, I think that's the most basic level. There are certain dreams that may be threatening to us. And we need to start there with, well, you want to do this, but frankly, that's really scary for me. You want to move to um, the Middle East and teach English. That's really scary for me. Um, so where do you start the conversation about whose dreams are you going to honor? And couples struggle with this. I, I just think about couples who have worked out, well, we're going to put your career first for this many years while you finish school. And then after that, it's going to go the other way. So it's a constant struggle. I wish I had a beautiful answer for you on that. And you have to also take time to look at the pattern. If I am the person who always puts my dreams aside for my partners, then that's not going to work long term. Why is that? Have a discussion about why does that happen? Why do I allow it to happen? Why does my partner allow it to happen? How can we be better balanced? I wish I had a magic wand. What do you think about that? Sometimes you can compromise, but you can't compromise on whether you're going to have a baby. You yeah. either do or you don't. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like from what you were saying, you need to be really present to it. And I'm sure that gets harder and harder the longer you've been with someone because you feel like you know them, you know their dreams, you know who they are. And um, of course, they change over time. So I imagine it's being with where they are and checking in regularly and with yourself, of course, because an interesting thing for me was that my dreams changed and I didn't realize. So I was still living one identity, but I didn't find it was matching my values anymore. And I think that's an important thing as well as to update your dreams because you might not be the same person you were 10 years ago. Absolutely. Sometimes I feel like <clears throat> it's a miracle that any of us survive in our marriages. <laughs> you know, if you meet up somebody when you're 18 and then you have to go through so much growing up or evolution or change and babies and children and, you know, careers and how do we stay aligned through all that? It's a lot of work staying aligned. And also something I think is true is that the degree of match in a relationship hopefully is strong, but there are going to be years where it's less strong than others, where the needs of your partners don't match your needs very well. And then it's a tricky period to go through. And I think we all go through them times where your needs are not so well synchronized. And, uh, and it takes work to resynchronize them. Um, 
And of course, there is the, the relationship sometimes where they're so out of sync that there's no fixing it. Uh, it's, a, it's a deal breaker. And that does happen sometimes after, you know, three years, 10 years, however many. And is that a, an example of right relationship then? If you have to sort of separate and go different ways? Provocative question. I think so, yes. I think um, being able to find what I would call right divorce. How do you divorce? How do you separate in a way that leaves you in integrity and respect uh, with one another? At the very least, I do think that that divorce is. Uh, if I had a I had a Dharma teacher once, uh, I somebody asked her, should you ever divorce? And she said, if your um, ability to be skillful and compassionate is less great in relationship than it would be if you were out of relationship, then it might be a good idea to separate. So if you're, you know, an absolute horrendous person in your marriage and you hate who you are and you're not generating any positivity to the world because of your marriage, it might be better to separate and maybe that's right relationship. I don't know. What do you think? It's really interesting. It's making me think about all the relationships and not just right relationship with our partners, but right relationship with self, right right relationship with the world, you know, all of those pieces. I mean, how do we fit all of those puzzle pieces together. It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I I think for me, I think about it in terms of the three kinds of intelligence, you know, my first right relationship to myself has to do with trying to understand myself the best I can. So I'm not um, acting it out stuff all over the show because I'm, I'm unaware. And then right relationship with my intimate family, you know, and what's that mean? And then I think there's a natural progression of what's my responsibility to my community, my company, my, the world, you know, um, nature. Uh, I think there's a natural evolution, but we got to start where we are. And Mm. often that's just the self. (laughs) And we're never done with that anyway. So, (laughs) yeah. And right now we've been given a lot of time to, to focus on the self, whether we like it or not. We are cooped up with our thoughts. So I guess a, a good closing question might be, how do we get into right relationship with ourself? What would you suggest? I think that's a great inquiry. So I would want to call on our listeners out there and say, what? that's a great inquiry for you to sit in quiet with just for a few minutes. What does it mean for you to be in right relationship with yourself? right now. Uh, Because what's going to be, again, right for me may not be right for you, but what is absolutely necessary is to take the time to gently ask, what does it mean for me right now? A great question. (laughs) So let's all take a bit of space to, to find out what that means to us. What does right relationship mean? Yes. Lovely. Thank you so much, Faith. My pleasure. Goodbye, everybody. Good luck out there. Thanks for tuning in to the Relationship Matters podcast and to Faith Fuller for her openness and honesty. I've certainly come away more curious about what right relationship means to me and what it means in this moment right now. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend about the Relationship Matters podcast and do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. From the living room to the boardroom, we believe relationship matters.